Can y'all hear me? <clears throat> cool. It is, uh, it's good to be with you guys here this evening. I'm thankful that y'all are here. It is kind of nasty outside, so the fact that you kind of brave the nasty weather and are out here is really encouraging to me. Um, we are going to be back in Philippians 1 tonight. Uh, it is verses 19 through 26. Um, it is pages 1080 and 1081 if you are using a pew Bible. And, and as you turn there, I want us to, to remind ourselves of kind of the, the background of what's going on uh, as, as Paul writes the, this letter to the Philippians because um, I think it's, it's super important to, to know that when we start to read the words that he has to give uh, to the church at Philippi, especially in this section. So Paul is imprisoned. Um, he, is, he is currently suffering uh, for, for Christ. Uh, more than likely, he is, he's in Rome. So he's writing to them from Rome, from, from, from jail, from a prison. Um, and and he, he has a couple reasons that, I, that he's writing to is, as, we, as we go through the book, we'll see those. But, but in this specific instance, what he's doing is he's describing his circumstances. Starting in verse 12 and then kind of going through the end of, uh, close to the end of chapter one, he's describing his circumstances and then he's almost working through what he thinks and kind of what God's doing in him in these circumstances. That's kind of what he's doing here in this, in this passage. And so it's really important for us to keep in our minds as we read this, that Paul is really, really suffering. He is, he is in prison, constantly under guard, um, and so life is not easy for Paul as, as, he, as he writes these words to the church at Philippi. Uh, so let's, let's read them together, and then we'll pray, and, and then we'll dig in. So starting kind of in verse 18b, yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Let's pray real quick. Dear God, we, we know that your word is so powerful. Um, it is capable of, of changing us, changing our hearts, and conforming us to the image of Jesus. And God, we pray that as we, as we read it tonight, as we, as we think about it and meditate on it, that, that it would do just that that we would not leave here without being more like Christ and, and loving him more and thinking higher of him. God, I pray that, that, that as, I, as I preach and as I speak, that um, as the psalmist says, that the words of my mouth and, and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing in your sight. God, we love you 
And it's in your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. So he starts out uh, in this section, Yes, and I will rejoice. Um, I titled this sermon, Living the Christian Life and Dying the Christian Death. And this first section is, is, is Paul working, working out what's going on to him, his current life. And I think he has a couple things to kind of impart on us as he is, as he is living his own Christian life. And, and the first thing I find fascinating is that he's rejoicing while he's in jail. And, and that's really difficult for me to kind of work through. Why on earth would, would somebody be happy in, in miserable circumstances? And I think the answer is that he's, he's describing a joy that is very different from the typical use of the word that I think we're used to. Um, I have experienced a lot of joy for me this weekend, right? As, as, as Josh kind of told you guys, my family has been here this weekend. I don't think I've seen them since this summer, um, and we've had a lot of fun. I've, I've been hanging out with them. We, we went to uh, Huber's uh, family farm, which probably most of you have all been to. It's, it's not too far away, and, and we had a good time picking apples, and, and we hung out all day Saturday, and that was really good. We had ice cream and, and talked and had a good time. And then I had even more joy uh, in my life yesterday because I am from South Carolina, and I watched my Gamecocks uh, whoop on Arkansas yesterday, and that brought some, some, joy, to, some joy to my life as well. But, but as I was thinking about, about the joy that Paul's talking about, that joy is so circumstantial. And, and what I mean by that is, I wouldn't have had the joy of the presence of my family if they had decided to not come this weekend and come a different weekend, right? That joy would not have been there. I still obviously would have loved my family and, and that would have been great, but when they leave, either tonight or tomorrow, right, the joy of having their presence is, it goes with them, right? The joy of being around them and being with them in the moment is gone. And, and in the same way, if the football game had gone differently yesterday and South Carolina got beat, the joy of, a, of watching my football team win is also completely gone. So that joy is circumstantial. And the joy that I think that, that Paul is talking about here is, is not circumstantial for him. And what I mean by that is, regardless of what's going on in Paul's life, that joy remains. And it's because that joy is an eternal joy. So the first part of what I, what I want you to know is, is living the Christian life for Paul right now is having joy in Christ. And we kind of have to discuss what we mean by joy in Christ because that's somewhat vague. What I mean by joy in Christ is joy in the work that he has done for you and joy in the work that he is doing in you. When we say joy in the work that he has done for you, we're talking about salvation, right? We're talking about the fact that he has come, he has lived for you, he has suffered for you, he has died for you, and achieved forgiveness of sins for you. He has provided a way for you to be right with God. And that gives the Christian, the believer, eternal joy. That joy does not go away. It doesn't change whether your life is easy or whether it's hard, or whether it's hard. You have, if you're a believer and you're trusting in Christ, you have the joy of knowing that your sins have been forgiven and that doesn't change. The second thing is that the joy of the work that he is doing in you. 
If, if you are saved, you are trusting and believing in Jesus Christ, then you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and what's happening is that he's changing you, right? I think, and I think anyone who's been a believer for, for a, even a small amount of time knows that, right? All of a sudden, what you care about is different. You, you care about his word, you care about you care about a prayer life, you care about being around other believers, and he is sanctifying you, right? He's changing you, and he's conforming you to his image, and that also brings you joy. Um, Look at kind of what Paul has said uh, in the the beginning of Philippians. In in verse three, he says, I thank God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And it is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. He has joy in the church of Philippi because they are partakers with him, of, with him in grace and also that he knows that the good work that God has begun in them, he's gonna bring it to completion. Do you see what I'm saying? The joy he has is found in the fact that Christ has done a work for him and for the church that he now knows that he loves and knows in Philippi and the joy of the work that Christ is doing in him and in the church at Philippi. That's eternal joy and it doesn't go away just because he's in prison. That joy stays there. It doesn't change because of his circumstances. So whether he's out of prison preaching the gospel or he's in prison preaching the gospel to the, to the guards, he still has joy. It, it doesn't go anywhere. So living the Christian life, especially for Paul right now, is, is joy in Christ. And the second thing is, is relying on Christ. Uh, verse 19, so he's joined, he, yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body whether by life or by death. He has a tremendous amount of confidence in verse 19, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Now, as I was studying and kind of preparing for this message, um, what, I, what I kept reading is that that word deliverance there can, can be translated also as, as salvation, right? This will turn out for my deliverance. This will turn out for my salvation, uh, is, is a similar translation there. And, and one of the things that I found is that Paul doesn't know necessarily that he's gonna be released or not released from prison. So when he's talking about his deliverance, I don't think he's talking about being released from prison. So now we have to ask the question of, well, what does he mean by this will turn out for my deliverance? And Josh actually referenced this verse in his sermon this morning, but I think in a very real way, Paul is living out what he writes to the Romans in chapter eight, verses 28, verse 28, that God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He's very much so living that out right now that he believes that, that even though his life right now is not good, it is hard and it is tough, he knows that God is doing a work that is for his good and even good for the church at Philippi. One of the other things that, that I read in my study is that, that that phrase, this will turn out for my deliverance, is, is a quote from the book of Job. Um, I think most of you have, have probably heard of, of the story of Job, 
um, but in case you haven't, he, he is a man who is righteous, who is holy, um, and he loves God. And what happens is that Satan comes to God and says that, well, Job only loves you because you've blessed him, because Job has lots of wealth, a massive family, um, and, and is truly blessed. And, and Satan says, well, he, you won't, he only loves you because you've blessed him. If you take that away, he'll curse you. And so God allows Satan to, to wreck Job, right? He takes away all his things, and Job still praises and worships God despite all that. He loses all his family, he loses all his wealth. And then... Satan comes back and says, well, you, you haven't allowed me to harm his body. If you let me harm his body, then he'll, he'll curse you. And so he does, right? Job is inflicted with um, wounds um, all over his body, boils type, a type affliction. And in and, and Job 13, where, this, where, where it seems like Paul may be quoting, um, Job is working through, why has God allowed this to happen to me? Because remember, Job's not in these conversations with Satan and God. He hasn't heard any of this. So, so he's wondering, why has God allowed these things to happen to me? You know, I, I, I don't think I've done anything wrong. You know, I've loved God. I, I've, I've worshiped him. I've offered sacrifices to him. And he knows that the sacrifices don't save him, but he trusts and loves God. And so he's obedient. And, and he, he, he's seemingly struggling with how to make sense of why bad things are happening in his life even though he's been, he's been holy, right? He's been righteous and he's loved God. And in verse 13, or in verse 15, chapter 13, you don't have to turn there, but I'll read it for you. He says, though he slay me, I will hope in him. Yet I will argue my ways to his face. This will be my salvation. You see that salvation, it's interpreted salvation there in Job but in Philippians, it's interpreted deliverance. Paul is, is communicating something similar to Job right there in verses 15 and 16, and, and that is that it doesn't matter what's going on in your life, whether things are as good as they could possibly be or they're as bad as they could possibly be. He's going to rely on God, and he's going, he's going to rely on Christ because he knows that God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He gets it. And whether, and, and whether bad things happen or good things happen, that, that doesn't change. He's going to rely on Christ and his joy is going to be there. That doesn't change and it doesn't matter whether, whether it's good or it's bad. And he recognizes that, that ultimately it will lead to his deliverance. It will lead to his salvation. He will finish the race, so to speak. And then we, we, we move to, to verse 21 where, and, and this is kind of a, the huge verse right here in Philippians. And I think if, if we've been around church, we've all heard it because it's such a mighty and powerful statement. Uh, verse 21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. We, we've talked about kind of what he means in verse 21, for me to live is Christ's light. If, if I'm living, then I'm gonna have joy in Christ and I'm gonna rely on him and I'm gonna preach him. We've seen that this entire way through Philippians. For me to live is to live completely devoted to Christ. But what's confusing about verse 20, 21 is he says to die is gain. And this whole time he's been talking about living, not just living, but living for Christ. But he still says that to die is gain. This is, this is a complicated statement, certainly for unbelievers, right? Because life is the most important thing 
to, to someone who, who doesn't know God, right? But even for believers, I think sometimes we, w- we would say, well, of course, dying is better, right? We get to go to heaven. And I think it's important that we know why going to heaven is, is so great or it's gain. I think that the reason Paul says that dying is gain is because that death results in being in the presence of Jesus Christ who you have lived and longed for your entire life if you're a believer, right? It's when, when you and I die, if living is Christ, we've lived for Christ our entire life and then when we die, we finally get to be in his presence, right? We have spent our whole entire lives, if we're believers, trying to, to be in a deeper relationship with him, to serve him with everything we've got, right? To preach him to the people who don't know who he is. And so the reason that death is gain is because we finally, after, after a, a life uh, of, of seeking him, get to be in his presence. There, there's a pastor named, named Francis Chan who, who is, is pretty good. He's written a couple books that are, that are also really good. And he, he, gave, he had a quote that I thought was pretty helpful here. The reason that dying is gain is because dying means we get to have a more complete and intimate relationship with Jesus and to experience God's glory as we would never have been able to here on earth. It is to finally experience him. And you and I kind of get a sense of this, this longing that I'm talking about, right? Uh, in, in the summertime, I had two weddings that I had to be a part of and I had to leave here and, and be away from my wife for, for several days, right? Three or four days, almost a week. And, and while I was out having fun, right? It was good, it was good to see friends and, and, and that kind of thing. I certainly miss my wife, right? She's such a major part of my life and I, and I love her. Um, and so, so, so I, I'm ready to be back with her, right? To, to hang out with her and, and to have her presence with me. That's a big deal, right? This is, this is just as real and, and, and even more impactful and weighty because Emily is just a massive part of my life. Jesus has defined my life. And to finally be face to face with the one who, God, man, who took on flesh and lived and suffered and died so that I could even stand before him is something unfathomable. And that's why it's gain. That's why it's better than even the life that I've lived for him up until this point. And that's a lot and it's really weighty, but the statement is huge. It's so much. And, and Paul's gonna wrestle with it now um, in, in, the, in the verses that, that follow after this because now we have to try to work with, well, what do, what do we do with this now, right? Paul has now told them that, hey, this is what I'm doing. This is how I'm living for Jesus. And hey, living for him is awesome, but dying for him is gain. And, and now we have to know, well, well, what does that mean for us? Uh, because it's almost a little, a little bit strange, right? If, if dying is gain, what do I do with the life that I have now? And, and Paul, Paul works through this himself, right? In verse 22, if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, which is good. Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. He even says that he's, he's struggling 
with how much he longs to be with Jesus, but at the same time, how much living for him is important. My desire is to part and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. But now he's kind of kind of give us the answer of, of, of why living for him now, even though he's, he, he longs to be with Jesus, is so important. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for, you prog- for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Paul recognizes that he still has a purpose, that God still has a plan for him. And, and we've kind of heard this kind of uh, understanding before, right? Well, if, I still ha- if I'm still living, God's not done with me yet. You know, we've heard that kind of thing before, right? But Paul, Paul explains what God wants him to do still here. Paul does everything that he does to encourage the Philippians. That's what he's talking about here. I do what I do you know, I'm gonna continue on in the faith. I'm gonna to continue to labor while I live because I know and it, that it will result in the progress and joy in the faith, your progress and joy in the faith, and that in me you will have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus. This is exactly, and it's super important for us to hear this, right? Because this is exactly why church is so important. You and I, as believers, do what we do not only for the, we certainly preach Christ, right? And that's what we do. It's part of kingdom work. But we have church here. We do what we do for that very reason. So that we might progress in joy in the faith and have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus. You don't have to turn here either, but I want you to hear what the author of Hebrews says to his audience in chapter 10, and it starts in verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. It's, it's, it's the same teaching that community, this church, is so important. And this is exactly why I love coming here on Sunday nights, because Sunday nights make what, what we do and what Paul is talking about here in Philippians so real. When we take prayer requests and I get to hear the rest of your prayer requests, I in the same very real way get to pray for you and suffer alongside of you. And I get to, to do that, right? I get to pray for you and, 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 and carry your burdens alongside of you. And you get to know that there are people around you who are suffering and praying for you, right? It's very real, and you get to feel that. And in the, on the opposite coin, when we get to opposite side of the coin, when we when we talk about the way that God is encouraging us, and this is why it's so important for us to talk about the way that God is encouraging us, I, in the same way, get to get to be encouraged and grow in my faith, and I get to glory in Christ Jesus because not of what I've, He's done He's done in my life already. I get to hear what He's doing in your life, and that makes me glorify Him more as I see the way he works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose, right? I, I, finally, I get to hear and glory with you in Christ Jesus, and that is tremendous. So Paul, Paul is trying to tell them, hey, my life is hard, you know, and he knows that, and, but he's, 
He's living the Christian life with joy in Christ, relying on Christ. He wants to encourage them to know that death is nothing that we can be afraid of. And if anything else, it is, it is gain because we finally get to be with Christ. But living is still necessary because while we're here, we need to be growing together and loving together, encouraging one another, stirring each other up to good works, giving each other reason to glory in Christ Jesus together. And I think that's what he's trying to communicate is he's doing what he does for them. But it's gonna cause them to grow in the faith and to glory in Jesus Christ. And, and that happens regardless of their circumstances. And the worst thing that can happen to them is death. And that's better because you need to depart and be with Christ. So let's pray. God, thank you for the truth that we see Paul writing here in Philippians, God. Uh, living the Christian life is, is a joy in Christ and it is relying on him and that is so good regardless of what happens to us in this life. Even if it's death. Because to die is to be, for, for those of us who are saved and in Christ Jesus, it is to be in his very presence and to experience his glory as we could have never imagined here. And we, God, what we, what we would pray is that that would encourage us to boldly love you and to boldly meet together, stir each other to good, to good works, suffer with our prayer requests together, God, love each other and grow in the faith together. God, we love you. It's all for your glory, and it's in your holy and precious name we pray. Amen.